So I feel bad sending people to pages that are um, not updated, that have really old information, or like things from before I took hiatus slash break because I was losing track of everything and didn't have time to do anything, and still don't think, perfectly honest, um, but I'm trying to make time to um, do these podcasts, so I'm getting better, but I need to take a little bit of a... Um, I guess, uh, not break, but tomorrow I'll take some time to work on the um, social media pages and get this up to date. And then I will push them as per usual in all of the podcast episodes. And also, it just came to my attention last night that like Facebook changed its um, for like page to add information to pages, if that makes sense. So there are pages, you know, for like blogs or vlogs or celebrities or whatever, politicians, etc. And so um, I have a page like that for Left POC, of course. And um, they changed the the way to like add stuff onto the page. So I've got to go through that and kind of figure that all out. And then I will update things, get things back on track um, and go from there. Also today, tonight's episode was supposed to be um, the Left POC of the week which uh, just as a preview, her first name is Teresa. I will get to her later on. Um, Not tonight, unfortunately, because today just completely escaped me. I had so much going on and I don't know, I just feel like I blinked and it was 11 p.m. And I have to wake up at 5 tomorrow because I need to go to New York again uh, to teach. We're back in schedule, back on schedule because of school coming back in after the break. Um, but the issue was just that like, (laughs) oh my God, the, (laughs) the turnaround time is really difficult for the Podmas situation. Um, and it's doable because I'm the only one doing the recording right now and the editing and stuff. When I start having on guests again, it's going to be a little bit more difficult only because I'll be dealing with scheduling and things like that. Um, and potentially additional editing, Um, Like if they want to say something off the record or whatever that I keep out of the interview for their privacy. So uh, we'll see. But anyway, enough rambling on with the show. Today, instead of talking about Teresa, beep, the unknown left POC of the week that I'll be announcing hopefully tomorrow morning um, slash tomorrow at some point during the day. Um, uh, Today, I actually want to talk about jobs. And by that, I don't mean jobs themselves, but job applications. So I posted something recently that, um, on Twitter at least, that went incredibly viral. And I'm going to just pull up the actual tweet so that I don't misquote myself. (laughs) As weird as that sounds. Um, And that's apt to happen because my memory is so bad. Um, 
but here we go. Okay, so this tweet, which as I speak right now, it's 11.26 p.m. on Monday night. This tweet has 119 likes and 17.4 thousand retweets, which is ridiculous. Like, I I don't understand. Like, sometimes I will just, I'll just write the most random thoughts, like just kind of off-the-cuff thoughts and they end up going viral like this and it's happened before as well like I had a tweet about um the fire the Amazon fires crisis and how that was due to like Bolsonaro's shitty policies and like cattle farming and stuff like that and um it went really really viral very quickly in like frightening ways and kind of opened me up to way more attention from far right um like Brazilian far right people um that I wanted and although I should say I'm used to that because i talk about Brazil a lot because that's what the bulk of my research is on and I've lived there and worked there and blah 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 um and often talk about Brazilian history that's my specialty um but uh and and because I'm a leftist obviously so whenever I post about Brazil not whenever but oftentimes when I post about politics in Brazil I get like really weird responses um because I'm critical of some of the far right stuff going on there obviously uh, and that has been going on for decades, but I had never quite gotten the response from the far right that I got when I posted that. And of course, whenever I posted anything on Lula or, um, elections coming up. So yeah, but it was really, it was like, it was ridiculous. I had way too many people, um, commenting on that post. And then another one that went viral was like some random thing. I, again, off the cuff, it's like always off the cuff stuff, guys, uh, that I posted, couple weeks back where I was just like, it's really something like, you know, I was commenting on how sad it was that, uh, the concept of woke had been so distorted by the far right. And then like the fake leftists who pick up far right talking points, um, and who are brainwashed by far right talking points and end up regurgitating it into our left spaces. Um, it's sad how that terminology got kind of ruined because it started off as something that was like, that was, you know, a term among young black people and particularly young black activists about just being, you know, up to date on what's going on in the world and like being knowledgeable of what's happening in your community. It was a very positive thing, actually, to say someone was woke. Uh, but then it became, you know, I think intentionally so something that was distorted for the sake of demeaning activists and in particular black people. So it's like a weird, it had a weird kind of shift. Um, and it's, to me, you know, nowadays shorthand uh, for, it's kind of a roundabout racist term, but it's definitely shorthand. And it's definitely often uh, racist the way that it's used by those who are detractors from left organizing and goals or um, just the far right in general. So um, the reason I mentioned these other things is just because like they're always weird when they go viral and it's always strange because I get a lot of weird comments, but this one, this most recent one about jobs, uh, was really, I guess like hit a nerve because it's still like literally as I've been talking, I've gotten about 200 more likes on this. Like just, that's the frightening degree of virality this tweet had. So I'm going to read it. Um, quote, <laughs> Wendy Muse, quote, employers should be required by law to post salaries and job applications for every single job, period, no exceptions. It's ridiculous that we're still going through weeks of interviews only to find out what our salaries might be in the end. Transparency is key. Um, and 
I say that because right now, you know, I'm on, I'm in, I'm technically like searching for jobs in academia. You know, I, I started off my PhD wanting to be a college professor. Um, I think part of me still wants to do that, but I have such an interest in public history that sometimes it, I find it difficult to, um, think about balancing those two things. And sometimes I wonder like, do I want to be just like a regular professor or do I want to do something kind of different and unique, uh, on the public history front? Um, and of course those two things can be combined. It's not like I have to choose one or the other. I mean, many, many historians who are just formal academics are also public historians and engage in like lots of public practice, public facing, um, historical work and humanities work. So that's, that's not impossible to combine, but nowadays because of the pandemic, um, so many job searches are looking for people to basically do every damn thing. So like (laughs) you're going to teach in, you know, it used to be like you teach in one department you have like one committee assignment and like, you know, you teach like two classes or three classes your first year or whatever max. And now they're like, uh, we need you to teach five classes a semester. (laughs) and be on 10 committees and you're going to teach in five different fields even the ones that you may not have any expertise in whatsoever we want you to teach those classes too and um you need to be in this public facing project and you are going to be um engaged in this and that and oh we're going to pay you forty thousand (laughs) dollars so they're like uh, okay. They're asking for, you know, basically your whole life to be devoted to this. So God forbid, if you have a family or children or whatever, any other obligations or people you're caring for, good luck with that. Um, but not only that, but like, if you're relying on this job for financial sustenance, girl, (laughs) you can keep it because it's not going to happen. I mean, it's really, uh, (laughs) it's a joke, right? Like I, it's almost an affront. It's not almost, it's very much an affront to, um, the hard work that people put into their lives every single day and into their jobs every single day when you think about what people are getting paid in this country. Um, it's almost like the harder you work, the less you get paid. And it's really, really frustrating. Um, and I'm not even getting to the point about like, you know, people who work in low wage or sal- like uh, hourly wage labor, um, people who work in low salary jobs, people who are secretaries and personal assistants and working at fast food restaurants and restaurant workers in general and like people who are janitors and maids and nannies. I mean, it's the list goes on and on and on about people who are underpaid and unway. I mean, it's just like, it's such an unfair system altogether. Um, but to add insult to injury, Many times, you know, for these jobs that have such high demands, you don't know what your pay is going to be up front. And if you look at job ads right now to this day, um, because it's not legally enforced, not in every state at least, some people commented on the post saying that like, in, some, in some states they're starting to require it by law, which is great, or at least to allow you to ask um, and they'd be obligated to tell you. Um, but who knows how that's going to affect your job prospects, right? Like if you, that's the other thing that's kind of messed up about it. There's this unspoken rule, particularly in academia, but many other like, you know, quote unquote, white collar jobs as well, where you are expected to not ask. (laughs) So you may go through a week or two or even longer of deliberations with these people. So you may go through rounds of interviews. You may go through weeks of preparation. Um, you may have to, you know, of course you're going to have to send in references and, um, you know, 
recommendation letters and teaching references, all this stuff. You have to, like, that's the other thing. The demand for what you're supposed to send in with your application packet is getting bigger and bigger. Like, what they're asking for, they're basically like, can you send us a book that you just wrote um, in a week and then also submit yourself to, like, weeks and weeks of interviews that take full days? Um, and, of course, you know, you may have other obligations like parenting or your family or your you're taking care of someone elderly or you may have other jobs like <laughs> who you know there's a list of things that that really complicate this further but the assumption is is often like in academia that everyone's just like a single white male who's upper class or a, a married white male who's upper class who has a wife who's a housewife who not to say that housewives don't have a full-time job because they do. And I fully recognize that as a mother. Um, but the assumption on the other end, right? The end of employers is that uh, a housewife is like an at-home secretary, right? <laughs> so she's going to help you with all your academic work and things like that, which back in the day was common. Um, and still there are some professors right now, male professors who have wives who basically do all their work for them and uh, don't get any credit for it. <clears throat> so anyway, <laughs> I don't know anything about that. Uh, but I, I think that we as a society need to pressure employers more, if at all possible, um, maybe through legislation or through other means to really, you know, be transparent about how much they're paying us at the jump, right? Bef because before you should submit to that much, you know, in a job application, and I know there are other jobs that are similarly strenuous in terms of their application process, maybe not in quite the same ways, but definitely strenuous in their own ways. Um, you know, that may require days and days of interviews and workshops and stuff like that before you really get told like what the expectations are for you and how much you're going to get paid if you fulfill them. Um, sorry, I lost my sentence there, but basically, you know, I know there are lots of other jobs out there like this too, that have these kinds of crazy, you know, practically long-term relationship style interviews and then they dump you without a moment's notice, right? Like you might get rejected from the job, but they never tell you anything. I mean, literally in academia, it, you could be a finalist for a job and you could have gone through weeks of interviews, rounds of discussions with people, you know, you could have taught a class, done it, just like so many things and then sent in your thank yous and you just never hear from these people again. And you don't know why you feel like you did something wrong. You have no idea what happened and it may have nothing to do with you. It's just part of the process, which to me is absurd and like just wrong like on so many levels. But to add insult to injury, as I said before, many of these jobs don't tell you what you're going to get paid up front. You find out midway in the process and then you're given the choice of, you know, do you want to proceed or do you want to keep, you know, like, do you want to end this right now? And on the one hand, you know, if you really want the job, of course, you're going to say, I'm okay with it, or you're, you're open to negotiations or whatever, but it still puts you in this weird position because you're like, wow, well, if I say that I would prefer more pay, you feel like you're not going to be up for the job anymore, right? You feel like you can't, you're not in a point where you have the advantage to negotiate then. Um, and this is the case for many jobs, again, not just academia, um, and it's unfair and it's wrong and it puts the, the entire hand on that of the employer, even though they're the ones who are asking for people to work for them, right? Like if that's the crazy part of it, you are the one who, of course it's like an audition, but they're the ones who need the person to fill that space too, right? Like it's a mutual 
um, exchange of sorts, right? They need someone and you need a job. And so you all are meeting somewhere in the middle in terms of, at least you should be meeting somewhere in term in the middle in terms of the power that you can exercise in this exchange. And yet they pretty much hold all the power if they don't tell you what they're going to pay you up front. And if you don't know what you're going to necessarily have to do in that position until later on, like sometimes these things come out later on after you're like, oh yeah, I'll take this low pay. And then surprise, surprise, you have to do all this extra work. This happens quite a bit in academia. Um, and it particularly happens a lot to, um, you know, faculty and staff of color, often women of color as well, who kind of end up fulfilling all these extra roles, not just as teacher or, you know, professor or whatever, but also as mentor, also as, you know, like unlicensed psychiatrists to help students with emotional issues or dealing with racism or dealing with sexism or homophobia or whatever that they're experiencing in their families at the school etc you are a writing coach you are um you know helping with so many different aspects of their lives that that really this kind of silenced invisible work that goes under recognized if recognized at all um these are things that don't show up even potentially on the teaching evaluations, right? Like sometimes you'll spend so much time with a student and you'll work with them so much and so closely and they may not even submit their their eval at the end of the year. Maybe they were sick on the day that they did the in-class eval. Like you just never know. And the fact that, you know, there, it's, there are many aspects of, of academia that are thankless, but I think that the most frustrating one right now is is the application process because for the for the reasons that I've already laid out but I think also just because there's so many aspects to it that just straight up disrespect us um as as PhD students people applying to these jobs you know young or like not young but um you know like early academic uh types uh first time teaching in, in a professional job like that to that degree um, and beyond just like being TAs and things like that. And it's frustrating. And like, there are people right now, you know, we talk about adjunct professors all the time and it's like pretty much all the jobs out there. A lot of them are adjunct based or they're, they may say they're tenure track, but the second you do anything wrong or quote unquote wrong by the, on the part of the university, or if you say anything that's a little too spicy, you might find yourself off that tenure track, if you know what I mean. Um, I've heard of stories like that. I've seen cases like that, right, where professors have said something about criminal justice or have said something about Palestine or whatever, and they have lost hiring. Uh, they've lost They've lost uh, job offers. They've lost jobs. They've been ostracized to the point that they've had to leave their jobs. So this is real. Like, it's precarious labor in many ways, despite what people might think about what academia represents. Um, I think a lot of those people have the idea of academia that comes from Hollywood and not an idea of academia that about what's happening in real life to people, right? Like people who are actually in it. But stepping away from academia for a little bit before I close, um, you know, many jobs. I've worked other fields too prior to entering academia in this formal way. And like, it was the same problem, you know, like I... I've been a translator, I've worked as a secretary, I've worked as, um, you know, like, kind of like paralegal, I've worked as um, a billing, billing assistant, whatever, coordinator, whatever you want to call it, analyst, I think they call it billing analyst at a law firm, like I've done all kinds of work, I've done stuff on the side, just obviously, if you want to count the podcast as kind of a small business in and of itself, um, you know, and 
in these jobs where I'm working for other people, I haven't always, always known what my salary was going to be um, until the last part of the hiring process. But, you know, they don't take into account that, like, you spend so much time preparing for these interviews, going to the interviews. You have to buy clothing for the interviews. That's another, like, whole other problem. Um, and now in the post-COVID world, and when I say post-COVID, I don't mean COVID is over. I mean, like, following the um, the the introduction of COVID, if you will, um, in these COVID times, like all those commercials used to start, um, you know, I think we see even more, it, it's like everything is virtual, right? So we're doing so much on Zoom, but at the same time, the expectations are still as if we are there in person. So you still have to dress a certain way. You still have to have your hair and makeup a certain way. You still, there are these, all these like, expectations that are still left over from the time before COVID when everything was in person. And, um, you know, I'm just talking about white collar work at the moment, but even if you're looking at interviews that are in person from the jump, they're still expecting people to be a hundred percent when the world is not a hundred percent, right? Like when we as human beings are not 100%. There are people who are still worried about dying, uh, people who have lost relatives, people who have lost loved ones and friends, people who have lost leaders in their community and mentors and, you know, colleagues and you name it. And the expectation that we just go on as if nothing is happening, as if the wheels just keep on turning, like there's no, no pandemic happening, like there's no, you know, intense soul-crushing, bone-crushing reality of capitalism as it currently stands and technically as it began as well. We just can't look at this and think that people are going to be okay and that people are going to be able to just say, okay, I I will submit to all of these hoops that you want me to jump through without knowing what's at the end of it. That's just wrong. And people sit here and wonder, not people, but executives and upper class rich people sit here and wonder why no one wants a job right now, why no one wants to go to apply and work for a job that's going to treat them like garbage and pay them worse you know? Um, and you can throw all of the benefits out against the wall as you want in hopes of something being, you know, something sticking. And people are still going to say no, because they're fed up. They're tired of being mistreated. They're tired of being, you know, led on basically in this process, in this process. Um, and I think that goes for any level of labor right now, you know, unless you're somebody's you're like a CEO's son, you don't have to worry about your next paycheck or food being on your table or losing your house or your apartment or your, your car or whatever. If you don't have those worries, good for you. Congratulations. You, you made the lottery of life, but the rest of us are worried about these things and are frustrated by the process. And, you know, I think that there is, uh, there is a light at the end of the tunnel if we decide to come together and fight what this mistreatment is and things that we see happening on a regular basis. If we unionize, if we have other means of, you know, expressing grievances and acting upon them, that may be um, off the record, if you know what I mean. But I think in general, we have to come up with ways to, to first articulate these problems and not let corporate media or other, you know, even some, some left media kind of distort what's actually happening because the reality is workers are rightfully fed up. Workers are mistreated and underpaid and not treated with the same fairness that those who are their employers are often, you know, um, given. And 
they shouldn't be they shouldn't have to submit to the runaround just because they're the ones applying for the job. That's not how it should be. Because at the end of the, at the end of the day, as I said before, the employers need workers. And if they want those workers to do well at their jobs and be happy in their jobs and be productive, then the relationship needs to start with transparency, with honesty, um, and with fair, uh, you know, fair hiring practices and a clear set of expectations for what's demanded of the worker, but also what that worker can demand of their employers. Um, and, you know, this, this should be the norm. But right now we're fighting for crumbs and people are expecting us to just be fine with that. Um, And they won't even tell us how many crumbs we get. So it's a real problem. Anyway, I'm going to end on that note, guys. Um, I'm going to work on, like I said, some of the social media stuff tonight and tomorrow so that when I tell you to check us out on Facebook, SoundCloud, Twitter, blah, 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 it'll be uh, more up to par and to the expectations that I personally have for you all. Uh, to or at least for myself, for you all to see of Left POC and the Left Pocket Project as a whole. So on that note, as I always say, please take care of yourselves. There will be more of this Podmas extravaganza <laughs> coming up later on. Uh, of course, as I said, tomorrow slash this morning uh, in a few hours, whatever, I'm going to record the um, Left POC of the Week Podmas episode about Teresa Beep. And then uh, you will get more information from there about her life and the amazing things that she did and sort of the way that she can inspire many of us in the present. Um, And until then, as I said, have a good night. Enjoy yourselves. Please take care of yourselves most of all. And be kind to workers out there, y'all. I mean, we're interacting with workers on a daily basis, but please don't don't treat workers like crap. Like people are going through so much right now and always have been, but especially right now, it's like amplified to ways that I can't even properly convey. And uh, people just need to be really sensitive to that and see every day that people are struggling. And it's, it's a real situation. It's a real problem. And we shouldn't add to the already pre-existing problems that people are facing uh, by being you know what's to people who are helping us meet our daily needs on a daily basis anyway bye everyone